the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. He's John, I'm Joe, and uh, John, we're getting kind of used to these. Insert Philadelphia sports team here is going to play for a championship. Looking forward to that Flyers playoff run. I mean, at this point, nothing would... Okay, yeah, that would surprise that, me. That would, that would do it. <laughs> uh, an embarrassment of riches in Philadelphia of late, uh, if you were... I don't know, under a rock all weekend. The Eagles are going back to the Super Bowl. And I mean, spoiler alert. So we watched the NFC Championship game together yesterday. Have we watched an Eagles game together before? I was trying to remember, and I don't remember ever sitting down together and watching a game. Like, not of our own free will. Somewhere, or like we may have been in the same place at the same time. Kind of, but I don't remember ever actually watching a, a football game together. I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but it was good for me. It was just... I mean, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Eagles... Uh, well, well, we'll we'll discuss the, the, the kind of verbiage we'll use to describe the game, but the Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-7. to They're headed back to the Super Bowl, and something that you said kind of rings true it it was a very low-key like oh all right yeah well our team's going back to the super bowl sort of feel to it i was was that you know in retrospect because of how the game went or was it we just kind of expected at some point during the year that this is how it was gonna be i mean it's gotta be how the game went I mean, it ended, and about two minutes later, we're like, "Oh yeah, we should high five. Yeah, like, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I guess we should do that now." Like, it was just, it was just that over, and like literally, lit- when the game ended, uh, we were at a friend's house. The, the friend whose house it was literally got up, threw out some plates, uh, may have gotten another drink, and just kind of sat down and changed the channel to put on the AFC title game, and we're just like, "Huh, all right, yeah, well." Oh yeah, I guess we should probably celebrate. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> and I was probably the most—I was probably more relieved than anything else because it was seven nothing. They turned the ball over, and I said, "It's over." You did when, when Brock Purdy got hurt. You were full of bravado, and oh, it was done. And then it just stayed seven nothing for what felt like a century. But it, it, I don't even think it was bravado. It was just more like I, I just felt that way. Like I wasn't saying it I, to I put it out there. I think anytime someone says it's over that early, it is a bit of bravado. <laughs> I, the last time I did that was with the Bills and Dolphins earlier this year, and I did have to text uh, whatever mutual friend who's a Bills fan. I'm sorry, because the game was not over at that point. But. Really, if you look back at it, the game was over. I just didn't see them relinquishing that lead at that point. And it really had nothing to do with the quarterback situation because, spoiler alert, the next guy got knocked out of the game too. And, (laughs) you know, I'm not sure that the 49ers wouldn't have taken, you know, Jimmy G off the bench and found some excuse just because he had, I'm assuming a more functional arm than anyone on the team did. <laughs> well, I, I feel like we might as well just get right into it. <laughs> um, I, it the game kind of sucked, right? Like if you're a neutral watching that, you were, you were not thrilled. You probably didn't turn it off, but you also kind of were probably looking at your phone for quite a bit, right? I mean, the two most interesting parts were the Devontae Smith catch, Question mark. Question mark? <laughs> uh, and then the fight in the fourth quarter. That was it. I think you're you're, you're shortchanging Wiregate. <sighs> Interesting though. Well, Different. Uh, look, and, and and not to get bogged down on this play, but 
a punt allegedly hits the sky cam wire and they apologize first of all to the fans for the delay while they try to see if it actually hit the wire or not why did no one just look at the sky cam footage like maybe you'll see the ball maybe the camera will just start suddenly shaking for a few seconds like oh yeah okay it hit the wire it didn't hit the wire whatever like i don't understand why I mean, maybe I, they did we just didn't see it from the tv angle a bit there's of no way that they would have not shown that footage if that was what made the uh, determination. But I, I mean, it, for us as fans of the team that won the game and went to the Super Bowl because of it, it it's it, it'll be remembered forever. But for other people, not a great game for a couple of reasons. And and one is, even though it wasn't over as early as you you proclaimed it to be over although i guess you were right right um that's why i brought it back up the, <laughs> the the san francisco quarterback situation and before i go any further i would like to invite 49ers fans to cry more as someone so eloquently tweeted you're talking to a fan base that won a super bowl it's only super bowl with a backup quarterback we don't want to hear it we don't care. Such is the nature of the sport of football that injuries happen. That's how Brock Purdy got where he was, right? That's how the script for the Disney movie started. The San Francisco quarterback graveyard of Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, throw a couple more bodies onto the pyre, right? I, I, I This trend of teams not dressing a third quarterback I don't know if there's some sort of roster manipulation thing going on there and, and teams stop doing it. There may be a change in the rules because of, of of yesterday's game because the NFL cannot be happy seeing a, a team that's a legit contender in the 49ers rolling Brock Purdy out there during the season. But then when he has success, Josh Johnson, no disrespect meant to Josh Johnson, but his Wikipedia career listing of teams uh, became basically an internet meme for the day. I, something like 75 different NFL teams he's played for. Uh, somehow not the Eagles in that stretch, but give or take. I, I, I don't think he's played for the full 75 teams. Um, but every year, two or three different teams, and, and sometimes just practice squad or training camp stints. But that's not a guy the NFL wants playing in a conference championship game. It's certainly not a guy that the team that pays him wants playing in that situation. I think you might see a rule change there that allows for more flexibility in, in rostering and, and activating quarterbacks on I game mean, day. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Just all three quarterbacks you probably have on your roster or, you know, the, on the overall, th just like have them all activated and then just have the rest of the roster be separate. But that's the thing. There was no other quarterback on their roster. If there was, that guy would have been eligible via injury, at least under the old roster rules. That's how it was. Your third quarterback could only play in case of injury. And if, if he came in, then the other guy couldn't come back until the fourth quarter. It, it was some sort of weird thing. And that's probably why teams got away from it. Why? How often do you use three quarterbacks in a game? Why waste the roster spot when you could have, I don't know, a, an eighth wide receiver option or something and do some weird formation stuff? I don't know. The reality is San Francisco was unprepared for that potentiality, if that's the word. Um because it is how new. many times <laughs> how many times in a million is that gonna happen? Well, we got the one. And it was yesterday. And because of what happened, it, it seemed like while it wasn't over, the game no longer felt like a fair fight. Again, I don't care. I don't have any sympathy for San Francisco or its fans. But the, the stark reality of it is the game changed on the perfectly and completely clean hit by Hassan Reddick that knocked out Brock Purdy. And some of that is their own doing. Like he wasn't, they, they chose to send a tight end out to block him. Spoiler, he didn't block him. 
And that, yeah, that was didn't it. go and then, so well. <laughs> and then also, this is one of those things that this won't be the first time Howie Roseman is praised this week at Philadelphia. But this is the type of thing he's been talking about. And this goes all the way back to Andy Reid. It's one of many things that goes all the way back this to Andy Reid. This has been a 25-year thing now for this franchise. Just emphasizing Almost. having at least one quality backup, if not two. Because you're going to need them. It's helped them more often than not. Now, granted, every NFL team is trying to sign a quality backup. But that's why they've drafted guys in the middle rounds got him through training camp, it didn't work out, he's gone, bring someone else in because you can't risk having that guy who's, who's not that great, you know. It worked out during the McNabb era, the couple times, you know, he was your franchise guy and you had to bring in a backup, you know, a couple times and it worked. Um, and it, it's one of many tenants that this franchise has held on to post Andy Reid. We'll talk about Andy Reid a little bit more over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. But it is one of those valuable things that you wonder why more teams don't pour this kind of capital into it. And also why people don't seem to get this who are rooting for this team. Because like this this is like Jalen Hurts was not drafted for this. He was drafted to be the backup. Yeah. I firmly <laughs> believe that. It's worked out. Well, I mean, it's it's not really that hot a take when you consider they had just signed he who will not be named on this episode. All right, let's make that promise to Person a big wins. contract extension. I, I literally, we're gonna have to work with uh, with, with you on, on the definition of what words mean, John. We're trying to celebrate tonight. All right, we don't need to. We don't need to to go that far back into our past, which is what like four years, not even <laughs> three years, I guess. <laughs> two years, really, <laughs> a little more than. Two I was just. Years. I'm going to let you do the math. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that is a you know, an organizational philosophy is the the importance of of the lines, offensive and defensive, and the the, the pass rush. Yes, it can change games with with a big play. The pass rush changed the game yesterday. Not in a way that you like to see, but they knocked out a quarterback and then they knocked out another quarterback. They had to bring the first guy back in when he couldn't throw the ball because the Eagles pass rush basically assassinated two quarterbacks. Legally, cleanly, it was just they were playing football. Nobody took you know cheap shots at anyone. No one hit anyone after a whistle. No one hit anyone dirty. It's just Josh Johnson, unfortunately hit the turf in a bad way. And you could see that Rock right parties. away. Yeah. And, and and we didn't see the hit, I don't think, live because he had thrown the ball as he was getting hit. But they showed a clip of him sitting up and then getting helped up. And me and, and our, our one friend, at the same time, we were like, we were kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. We were like, whoa, he doesn't look good. And he was off the field. Um, that is the first and only time I'll ever hear you say I was like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I promise you, I'll figure out some other way. <laughs> but ultimately, the the, the 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 quarterback situation will hang over this game forever. But also, what will hang over this game is a banner that says NFC Conference Champions. I gotta be honest, John. The Eagles' offense didn't look great. And honestly, they, they they ran the ball down the throats of the Giants, right? It, 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 they didn't have to. The, right. The point. passing game didn't look great against the Giants either. Nothing looked great yesterday. I think they kind of just wore the 49ers down. And in large part because the Niners defense was on the field forever because they had no quarterback. They, they had that one sustained drive where they tied the game. Other than that... You know, it wasn't all three and outs, but there was a lot of third and middle distance conversions followed by first down, second down, third down punt. And the the San Francisco defense was exhausted. And that's how the Eagles kind of got that ground game going, which is how the ground game is supposed to work. You're supposed to wear down your opponent. So, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from what the Eagles did or and say, you know, they got around it or anything. It just that that's how it's supposed to work. But it doesn't make for an exciting game. And the lack of really any 
explosiveness in the passing game the last two weeks could be cause for concern when we talk about the Super Bowl next week, but certainly a takeaway. I, I, their biggest play uh, in the passing game was the the catch question mark, I believe, that you referred to already. I, I don't remember a bigger reception from anyone. No, I mean that was that was kind of it. I mean that that literally was the game outside of the quarterback injuries, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, there, there's really not too much to to analyze on the offensive side of the ball. It, it remains, you know, defensively how good this team is. Like this, this might be the best defense the Eagles have had I'm trying to think like of the 21st century we'll say I'll I'll go a little further you you, you know you, you can make your argument about their, their sack numbers well they had an extra game compared to most teams in NFL history three more games than they did back in the 14 game schedule era yeah you really can't look at the those numbers comparing to errors just I because think of you can though because what I'm about to say on, on a is, per game basis, baby, I think that their defensive front has to be considered one of the best in the history of the game. The quality of players, the production of players, and they're doing it in the biggest moments, right? They're not doing it against you know elite quarterbacks. They're not doing it against you know all time great offenses, but they are chewing people up. And, and I'm not even referring to injuring quarterbacks yesterday. Just th- they are shutting them down. They have to be as feared a unit as there is in the game. And the Eagles defense is the only unit I think that played well across either game yesterday. Nobody looked all that good. The Eagles defense looked transcendent. And coming into the playoffs, what did you think was going to be the thing that was going to carry them? We felt like it all hinged on whether Jalen Hurts was going to be healthy. Could he throw the ball when he had to and make those throws that he had made all season? And then would they be comfortable enough with him to turn him loose with his legs? And it turns out they don't even need any sort of offense at all because this is a team where the defense has carried them to the Super Bowl. And really, how the defense handles Patrick Mahomes in whatever state he's in and and however Andy Reid offensively schemes against this defense is going to decide if the Eagles win another championship. And I, I got I got to say I don't think that you know, as much respect and, and appreciation as we have for the defense coming in, I don't think I would have predicted that three weeks ago. Here's what I'll ask you because this is definitely something I wouldn't have predicted asking. <sighs> This is a tricky question because there is a difference between two games in two weeks versus the series that other teams have to play. But it's Don't Hassan- take away my potential way to back out of actually answering the question. <laughs> you that, know how the, I like to cite sample size. Go on. I'm I'm setting I, I You're I, on to my game. <laughs> I've learned something. Um Hassan Reddick is having the best postseason since question mark. I'm definitely going to cite the 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 sample size here. It's been two games, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's really hard to say because can you remember a big postseason from an Eagles defender or even well, another uh, defender? Brand, on another Brandon team? Graham would be it because Brandon he had Graham good- had one big play. But he had he did have a good postseason running up to that, followed by the one epic play. Right. I, but I think it's really tough in football. Hassan Reddick has had like epic play after epic play. Like when he yeah. he doesn't just get a sack. He's not Jason Babin, where it's like hollow numbers. Like when he hits you, like he's creating havoc. Like he's not the guy he's who's like creating oh. business for Dr. James Andrews. Yeah, he, he it's it's not necessarily like um like somebody who coaches are like, oh, he had a lot of hurries. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, that that's it. You know, impactful he's, plays. He forcing it, turnovers. Yeah, 
The um, only the only non Eagles candidate I could think of is Bryce Harper, who we just saw, uh, but it's different because he didn't have it, and it wasn't like it's it's just Bryce it's Harper just did it for a month. Hassan Reddick did it for two games, and it, 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 I, this is I understand where you're going with the question, and and if this was a radio show, I would tell you I appreciate the call and hang up on you. <laughs> um, I, wow, I just think it's, it it's a, <laughs> well, I mean, that's how it works in, in talk radio. I, I really think it's difficult to compare just because of the way, like you could maybe compare it to a basketball guy, right? And like maybe a, a particular Joel Embiid series over the last couple of years, because a, 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 an edge rusher like, like Redick, he's a guy that you have to game plan for for part of your your like you can make a plan to pitch around Bryce Harper or what you're going to do with him but you've got eight nine other guys to deal with too right and you've got to figure out how you're going to approach each pitcher and all Reddick is a guy that you have to build your coverage toward trying to reduce his impact to give your quarterback time to to deliver the ball and in no other sport do you have to game plan for somebody defensively. Even in basketball, when you have a lockdown defender on the other team, you really just, you need your guys to step up. It's really difficult to engineer an entire game plan. And usually you're talking more about containing rather than shutting down. Right. And in this this instance, if you merely contain Hassan Reddick, he's still going to make one or two plays a game that, could alter the arc of the game slash your season slash next season. But I I think that's just, we're, we're mentioning Hassan Reddick, but like you could plug in any number of names with Josh Sweat, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, honestly, uh, Joseph and Dominican Sue. Like the, the fact that all of these guys are there and playing well and such a threat, you have to game plan for how to deal with any number of guys. And that I'm not going to say it's impossible because I'm not an offensive coordinator an offensive line coach, but it feels pretty impossible. And I, I think it's a, it's a collective effort and a collective, the way that they approach with, with rotating these, these guys. And we saw it over the last couple of years, uh, they, 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 this is how they, they go right now. Like they, they have many more guys that can play at once and they rotate them and they keep them fresh and they all bring something slightly different. And it, it, it just, like I said, seems like it's impossible to deal with. And he's been the beneficiary the last couple of weeks. He may make one tackle in the Super Bowl, but just the fact that the chiefs now know that. Travis Kelsey is not going to be able to deal with him. Maybe that opens it up for someone else. And so Hassan Reddick doesn't get any sacks in the Super Bowl, but might be the MVP. You know what I mean? So to answer your question, I would compare it maybe to a Joel Embiid monster series. He had a really great series against Toronto um, the year that they lost to Toronto. I think it was, was it 2019? Except for uh, well, that one game even where he last was sick. year. Right. Um, he did have a good series last year. True. Um, but I also don't want to say, oh, it's been like eight months since. <laughs> um, but I I would say that probably the best thing to compare it to would be a, a great basketball series from your transcendent player. And we've seen a few of those from Joel Embiid. Whether it's it's one of it's an all timer or not, it's going to be remembered as such, one way or another. You're you're gonna look back at this postseason, whatever happens in Glendale in two weeks, and say, "Man, remember when Hassan Reddick went crazy for two games or three games and just completely blew up everything going on on the offensive end for the other team?" It's going to be remembered. Maybe not on the level of Brandon Graham's strip sack in the Super Bowl. That all depends what happens in the next game. I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Oh, well, why didn't you tell me that five minutes ago before I was trying to well, figure I had out to an answer? <laughs> because the answer might be, and I think is, Lane Johnson this year. Because he is 
It's different to measure the impact of offensive line, but this is how crazy. Thinks <laughs> it's the best thing that's happened since the other thing happening right now. <laughs> well, so, you know the other the other guy comes out, but I think they're having equally legendary postseasons. And well, you know the only answer then is to have them line up against each other. I'd pay to see that. I don't know. I don't know about I'd take you. Redick. I'd take Reddick. I don't know why, but I feel like with with Johnson's injury situation, that Reddick would get the best of him in the end. Here's here's the thing because you talked about here's all the, the thing names. we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right, but all the names that you mentioned on the other side of the ball, the offensive line is almost the same way because we obsess over Jason Kelsey in this town. He is the Chase Utley of this team, and that every little thing he does well gets blown out of proportion. Granted, he does a lot of little things well. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's number should probably be retired. But <sighs> Lane Johnson, I, I almost want to say he's playing in his shadow, which is weird because I feel like Lane Johnson's taller than him like by a lot. Everybody on, on both lines, I think, is bigger than Jason Kelsey. But I feel like if if you didn't know what his face looked like because he'd played here so long and you saw him like out somewhere, you wouldn't realize he was a football player. Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey? Jason Kelsey. <laughs> because I would recognize Lane Johnson just from the, the standpoint of he is a he's a statue. Yeah. Um, Jason Kelsey, also big, doesn't live that far away from me. I'm assuming in a much higher red neighborhood. But uh, uh, jo- John, don't say any more. We don't need another restraining order on you. I mean, it's a new year. <laughs> but we digress. Uh, because that's just that's honestly that should that's be the name of the, the podcast. <laughs> um, so, look, we've said nice things. I've right. I've, I've praised. We praised both sides of the ball. I just said you're wrong. You said yesterday that someone else was wrong while we were watching this game, and honestly, <laughs> like I think we were both. I kind believe of I there. looked at you and said. Oh, we're going to talk about this. Well, here's the thing. This is one of those things where like, we agree with each other uh, wholeheartedly, I, I, I think, on, on this whole thing. There's really not that much controversy. I just had to drum up quote-unquote controversy. Um, but It's incredible like, that you spent part of your day today trying to think of ways to rile me up when it doesn't really take that much time or effort or thought. No, I just have to mention what transpired yesterday, but... Uh, I'll say this, and then I'll I'll hand uh, the floor back over to you, uh, not for the first time today, but as we were watching that game and this transpired, I think I just, I looked at you and I was like, okay, we'll have a podcast now. Like, <laughs> it's a true podcast because we can't just be happy. We can't just have nice things. You can go for two points. <laughs> well, Time's yours. I, <clears throat> <laughs> oh, we're going to be hearing that for the next couple of weeks. Um, so the, the end of the first half sequence sealed the game, right? The Eagles score a touchdown. They force a turnover and they they get a touchdown. I was like, getting into it. I was debating with our other friend about their use of the timeouts on the drive where they scored to make it 14, seven or rather their, their non-use of it. And he was concerned about, or rather I think it was on the, on the drive that made it 21, seven. And he was concerned about, you know, well, you don't want to give the 49ers the ball back with too much time. And I was like, listen, you're the head coach of a team with, I, that may have been the first time I used the word transcendent defense to describe them. You just knocked out, their Cinderella quarterback, I believe Josh Johnson was still in the game at this time. If you don't think your defense can handle 20 seconds at the end of the quarter, the end of the first half without giving up points, then you haven't been paying attention to your defense and you're not putting any faith in them. The 49ers were probably just going to kneel it out anyway and try to get back in the locker room and regroup. The worst part about still having those timeouts though, was what Nick Sirianni again tried to pull at the end of the first half. And this time it kind of blew up in his face because the, the players, I don't know if somebody didn't get off the field, if somebody incorrectly went on the field, the Eagles had to call timeout as they tried to draw the Niners offside on a two point conversion because they had 12 men on the field. 
So Sirianni called a timeout, and he was very angry because he knew he wasn't going to be able to call a timeout again because you can't call two consecutive timeouts. So they had to abandon this ridiculous fake two-pointer thing. And I would say disproportionately angry, too. Yes, and 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 I think that is – I've been trying to figure out, like, ways to describe him and, like, just understand why I would – and we, we, we even – talked about me having to, you know, eat my words about them winning or having to like, I, I, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I will have to respect Nick Sirianni as a Super Bowl winning coach. I'll have to and, dig up the audio of you saying that Nick Sirianni is going to have to win a Super Bowl to, to basically impress you. And I may uh, even have said that, like, I wouldn't like him even if they did win the Super Bowl. And but I think it's things like that where like he's getting ridiculously angry on the side. Like, I, I don't know if, if if this was something we said on the, the show last week, if I said it to you or somebody else. It's like that entire coaching staff, but mostly him grinds up an entire bottle of Adderall and snorts it before the game. And they're just so like, like tweaked out the entire time. I'll say Jonathan Gannon's pretty composed. All the guys, you, you rarely see him on camera, uh, and, and they just show him, and, and it's probably pretty easy to be composed when that's the, the, the unit you're leading, but Sirianni, like, he's just, like, all the stuff with the histrionics on the sideline during that play, the that's yelling at the is. referee that, that's, that's last the word. week, yeah. like, just stop. Like, you are leading the best team in football. You're leading a team with an all-time great defense with a quarterback that nobody has yet figured out how to completely neutralize, knock on wood. Like, you can have fun and, and you don't have to be, like, super stoic all the time, but what are you doing, man? And and here's that two-point thing again, and I, at this point, you have to – the only way that you can explain it away and not be confused or, in my case, you, you want to talk about getting – you know, disproportionately angry about it is that they must be plotting something for the Super Bowl and th- thinking, hey, down the line, because we've done this, now we'll be able to do something else. And I do not have the hashtag galaxy brain to figure out what it is that they would do, but there's got to be something. This can't just be about one extra point. It doesn't feel it's not worth the like, effort and it doesn't have the payoff. I don't know what they're doing. It, it's just uh, it, it's it's not ruining this for me, but it's just it's it's confusing me enough and befuddling and, and angering me enough to make it a little bit less enjoyable. Yeah, and here's where I think we agree and where we're we're I'll say we're being I don't want to say we're being ridiculous, but we we're know- being a little nitpicky. But last week, you, you you made a comment about how comfortable we were with being in this situation and not being, you know, on edge about the team, and how that made you on edge, right? The the fact that the the feeling of of vague confidence that you, I think is how you put it is just not something we're used to and and good at dealing with in this town. We need something to be on edge about. The team itself hasn't given it to us, so I think we're latching on to the coach's antics as a way to satiate that hunger for doubt that we have. Because you know what? If you listen to the national media, I know that every team, but particularly in Philly, we like to feel like that no one likes us, we don't care attitude pervades and that everyone's against us. The national media is... That they are calling the Eagles a great team. They're saying they are a team with no flaws. That the Eagles are favored to win the Super Bowl by the bookmakers. The people who are better at anything on the planet than anyone else say that the Eagles are favored to win the Super Bowl. That to me is the most incomprehensible thing about all of this. And the thing that that, that really makes me the most uneasy is that we're expected to win. I think our reptile brains are just looking for a reason. To, to poke holes in it. I, I've said all year that the Eagles look like they, they overachieved. To me, they feel like they overachieved. They haven't. They they built a great roster. 
and the the great roster is being coached well and they are doing what they're supposed to do and my brain just cannot process it and i feel like you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> and you probably feel the same way right yeah they're an historically great team franchise well, NFL. see now i'm gonna say what? after all i just said i'm gonna say hold on <laughs> historically good maybe <laughs> well i mean not even counting oh, like in, in franchise annals yes they're, they're oh, in franchise yes, but they'll sure. be we'll we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks but like they're getting knocked a lot for playing a soft schedule and you know the reality is you know they haven't necessarily had like a team like them, but that's also or played a team like them. But the reality is like, maybe that's just because they're that much better than everyone else in the conference. And at some point we're at the point in the season where the chiefs are going to be the best team they've played by far, but they've are played. They? I, I think so. Um, but, but when you, I mean, when you, yes, you have to discount the fact that the 49ers did not have the guy who led them to most of their victories for the game yesterday. True. But but even even then, I think the Chiefs are just on that other level, especially considering they are a historically great team on a, Again, like, on a great they? run. They have but, a historically great quarterback and an historically great coach, but no how matter many, what certain radio hosts in Philadelphia want to say about him. They have two outlier figures, but is this Chiefs uh, three? Let's count Travis Kelsey, too. Are, you know what? We should hold off on this until next week. We can we go should. down this rabbit hole. I, I know what you're saying, but I, ironically... Go on, finish your point. I won't get any further into this because we'll be here all night. But I, the, the point that I had was basically, at this point, they've played a decent chunk of the league. So maybe they're just that much better than a lot of other teams. And that's why it looks that way. But also, to, to your point... This is the type of team that Andy Reid, this Chiefs team, is the type of team that he thrived on in the early 2000s. He actually he got rid of, or not got rid of, well, he traded his, his star receiver. It's all built around the quarterback and the lines and the tight end. And kind of the no-name spread them around, spread the ball around offense. And... He's got that team to the Super Bowl and slandering Charles Johnson and Torrance Small, <laughs> Todd Pinkston. Um, you know, we're I think I slandered him worse by forgetting all about him, <laughs> probably. But it's just, it's just one of those things where like we've got this point. Like, there were so many people who were quick to say, like, oh, the Eagles haven't done, done anything, blah, 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 right after the game yesterday and after during, but. He, like here's what bothers me about this. Like, like just the immediate like minimalizing. It's like, but maybe you don't realize what you're witnessing. Maybe they're just pulverizing teams to the point where they're just that much better. Granted, the NFC isn't as strong as the AFC quarterback wise, but even then, the NFC East, super strong division this year, is compared to some of the other divisions. You know, Green Bay came in. Granted, Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but the defense, you know. Helped that situation a little bit. Tennessee came in; they were a decent team. The Eagles, Demolished for all intents and purposes, like they, <laughs> you know, they never re- recovered. No. Um, and the Giants made the playoffs, and they demolished them in the playoffs. So it's just, it's just one of those things that maybe they just are are that good. Like they are an SEC team that is playing one double a teams I, I i don't know I'm, I'm losing the analogy but i don't think we've been able to accurately like appreciate what we're what we've seen and i don't know if it's just sour grapes from everyone because it is the type of role that we're uncomfortable with but what i'll say this is that gives us the narrative we've been searching for lack of respect nobody believes in us nobody <laughs> believes in us you know, maybe we'll we'll go with instead of the the underdog thing, which we're used to. Maybe we'll just go of like uh, you know, this is this is all about respect. So <laughs> I think that's what we can lean on for the next two weeks. As someone who is infinitely more quote unquote online than you are, hopefully I reassure you by saying that whenever somebody wins a game, what are you like ninety five years old <laughs> online on the internet? Some, someone, what do you think I send faxes like? <laughs> 
John, it's a term. Look it up. It's what the kids say. Every team, when they lose, has this element of fans that goes on and and minimalizes the other team's accomplishment. But you're you're right. It happened. It was happening during the game yesterday. And all I'll say is this: you play all season to make the playoffs, and then if you're a playoff caliber team, you play all season to get the number one seed. There are inherent advantages for having the best regular season of anyone in your league. You get to play all your games at home, you get a week off, and you get an advantageous schedule in the divisional playoffs, right? And that means playing the lowest-seeded winning team. And in this case, that was the Giants. And then they played the number two seed, the other potential best team in football. Now, did you think before the game they were going to knock their quarterback out? No. But if you thought that Brock Purdy was going to come in and beat the Eagles, I, I think you're crazy. Okay? I know that, that he, he hadn't lost before that. And the Eagles hadn't played anybody as good as the 49ers. The 49ers didn't play anyone as good as the Eagles either. Because you could argue because there isn't anyone as good as the Eagles this year. And we'll find out once and for all in two weeks maybe. But – it's just the, the 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 argument holds no water. You play the teams in front of you, and you work all season to get a weaker team in front of you in your first game. It's not like they made their own the schedule. This is a college basketball. It's not a draft. Yeah, where it's not like where they, they were like, said, we're, uh, we're never going to play a road game or something like that. Like it's yeah, like, it's not like a draft where you said, all right, we're going to play that team, and then. All right, we'll play this team, but they can't use this guy or that guy. You know, like it's it's sour grapes. It's it's fans of of teams that didn't make it this far that are jealous that don't want to see Philly do well, and it's it's media people who are just trying to have a hot take and trying to be relevant on Twitter for for fifteen seconds. Forget about them, because you know what? You're gonna be on your couch. You're gonna be at a party. You're gonna be at a bar somewhere. Eagles fans watching the game rooting for your team while their team is watching from a golf course. John, do you have anything else about yesterday's NFC title game that you wanted to get into, or should we uh, take a break? We could talk about the AFC title game and about the other hot team in town whose temperature may have just cooled while we're recording this, but (laughs) we do have to talk about the Sixers. If you don't have anything else, let's take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about those things. Let's talk about the AFC, Jim. We'll do that in just a moment. Stick around. We'll be right back. We're back here on the Philly Frenetics podcast post NFC, AFC championship edition. (laughs) Uh, Apparently Tony Romo joining us on the pod. You know, that'd be a great guest to get next week. If we could get Tony Romo. (laughs) I mean, he's not doing anything. Fox. Well, I mean, he also probably didn't watch the NFC title game too much. Actually, you know what? That guy probably had a phone in the booth watching the game. He he strikes me as a bit of a junkie. Um, Real quick, the Chiefs-Bengals game. I I alluded to this earlier. I was not impressed by either team offensively or defensively in that game. I guess you kind of have to be impressed with Patrick Mahomes gutting out what he could. Very very obviously a painful injury to deal with, the high ankle sprain. We've heard about it for years about, you know, you call it an ankle sprain, but really it's ligament damage, you know, higher up in the leg. And it's a three to six week rest period. And he came back in eight days and, Obviously, he was he was hampered by it. Biggest play of the game. He's able to scramble, get a few yards, get hit when he's out of bounds, and there's the 15 yards they need for the game-winning field goal. There was a lot of controversy over officiating. Not going to get into that because I really don't think it was particularly bad. Um, I know there was a you know consternation over the clock on the one play. I don't think that's the official's fault. What did you take away from that game? Was it just that, wow, the Eagles really should be expected to win the Super Bowl? Was it, you know, was there anything, the Chiefs dealing with a couple injuries now besides Mahomes? I, 
what was your big takeaway? Because mine was, it was the trepidation of, oh man, like the Eagles might be the better team going into this. That was my thought too. I, I, some of this might be preempted by Notice yourself. I said the trepidation of realizing that your team is very good. <laughs> and then notice how I kind of stuttered because I wasn't sure how to agree with it. <laughs> I don't that. want to say that out loud either. Um, <laughs> what is wrong with us? Looking don't back answer at that it, question. Don't answer that question. Yeah. No, <laughs> when we talked about the Phillies run, you and I were talking about either on or off pod about like, Hey, the the path could be opening up because when you're on a postseason run, you do have to get a little lucky, and some things do have to fall your way. Uh, and I watched that game, and I was thinking, you know, I I don't know who's the better Kelsey. They're both going to go to the Hall of Fame. We could talk about that next week, but he's banged up. Mahomes, he does have that extra week to kind of rest, but I don't think that's going to make a difference because that looked painful all props to him I think I think I had more respect for him after that game than any other game I've seen him play usually he just drops my jaw by how great he is but he usually your only reaction is to make some sort of mean joke about his brother because there's nothing you can think of about Patrick (laughs) which is it's 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 all jealousy it's all jealousy it's because I would like him Entering, oh, don't start this that season, controversy. entering this season, <laughs> I would have said, yeah, I'll trade Mahomes for Hurts. Now, granted, the conversation has changed. but um, Has it? <laughs> Let's oh, not have I, the I conversation. Thought, I thought that was the controversy you were trying to get me to avoid. Um, so, you know, that happened. Uh, the only thing I want to say is I thought TV was a little harsh with Joseph Osai. Just like... F- like I'm fine with him focusing on him a that little bit. That director was was just did him dirty. It, it was like every other shot. It was like team celebrating on the field, him crying, you know. Oh, let's get another camera angle right in his face. And I I think that was a little a little much. I I I get it. He had the the big the big thing. Some of it I I, I think. And I I don't know if this was brought up on the broadcast. I think a lot of those hits are because when you have a guy like Mahomes. You're probably not even really aware of where you are on the field. You're just trying to do everything you can because he's he's the, if anyone could stop on a dime and juke back onto the field and make you look stupid, it's it's him. So it was a it was a dumb penalty. I don't really like seeing any team lose on that kind of penalty. It's just it's just a bad way to end your season. Certainly, there have been Philadelphia teams that have. I'm sure if I thought long and hard, it maybe even not that long. Uh, you know, I could come up with dumb slash bad ways to to end your season but i i think that was a little a little much uh i don't know if you would do that for like you wouldn't do that for like a college sport like maybe you show like one or two shots but like even for like a a team like an, an nfl team like he had a great game before that he just had one really bad play and i don't think you needed to get up in his grill and show him over and over and over again well, for the record, uh, I, I don't care who you're chasing. You do have to know where you are on the field. And and th- there's there's no legitimate logical explanation for not realizing that he was out of like, – there's a reason that that sideline is painted so thick. Um, and it's also a call that has to be made. Oh, it was 100% it, the right it's, call. It's, it's, it's going to be made no in the first 58 yeah. minutes of the game. It's got to be made in the last two minutes. Um. I and maybe this is because my soul is dead, but I was I wasn't laughing, but I had to chuckle when the game ends and he puts his helmet back on because he's about to start crying and he thinks that putting the chin strap of his helmet over his eyes is going to prevent people from seeing him cry when his entire body is convulsing in tears. And you're right, it was completely unnecessary for them to to harp on that. Uh, especially when the other team is is celebrating going to the Super Bowl, uh, thrill of victory, agony of defeat. Uh, from a human standpoint, unnecessary. But you know that's that's television for you, John. <laughs> um, inexplicable play, and you, you know you hope that the, the the guy is able to do something in his career that that makes him forget all about it. This is a Bengals team. It's not going anywhere. You know, 
Um, they are going to have the same issue that the Eagles are quickly going to come up upon, whereas their quarterback is now going to be eligible for an extension. They're going to have to shell out a lot of money to keep Joe Burrow. And so I just said they're not going anywhere. They're going to have to figure out how to not go anywhere. We have seen Howie Roseman do it here for a number of years. Uh, So I think I'm less concerned about the Eagles. But, you know, I I feel like, and this is such a weird thing to say, as as someone of a certain age who remembers the Cincinnati Bungles more than the 1980s teams that went to the Super Bowl a couple times, um, they are obviously one of the top teams in the AFC, and I don't, I I I I would be surprised, and I shouldn't say shocked or surprised, but so mildly surprised if uh, Joseph Asai doesn't get a chance to make up for that. In a, in a conference title game fairly soon. Uh, an unfortunate thing, but whenever there's a hero, there's got to be a goat. And that play, it was him. And it's unfortunate, but we are where we are. And where we are is with the Chiefs getting ready to take on the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you actually relieved that it's the Chiefs and not the Bengals that the Eagles are playing? Because Mahomes and Kelsey are banged up, yes. I don't believe that, that Travis Kelsey's injured. I know that story came out before the game. Oh, he got hurt at practice. He's game time. There was never a chance that Travis Kelsey wasn't going to play. I mean, game. he's he could be. He'll be. Fine. He might not be as injured as was made to believe, but I'm sure he's must be hurt. No, not at some all. somewhat. Not at all. Not at all. Everybody is banged. Are up. Are you saying a team would lie about an injury? I'm not saying a team would lie so much as I'm saying the teams do lie. And I'm sure that that is shocking and appalling conduct. Yeah, no, I I don't think he's hurt at all. And and feel free to throw this in my face if he doesn't play in the Super Bowl. (laughs) He's playing in the Super Bowl. He is. Um, I just think that the, the Chiefs defense is there for the taking. You know, I was talking to somebody today. And granted, this guy was, I think, just trying to troll me. He's saying he thinks the Chiefs are going to win 38-35 on a walk-off field goal. I said the Chiefs aren't scoring 38 points against the Eagles. No, I think it'll... Not against this defense. I think if any team scores a 30 in the 30s, it's going to be... It's going to be the Eagles. I haven't wrapped my head around this one because... I'm not asking pretty, for a prediction. I was pretty confident. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Well, just to preempt that badly. <laughs> this, we're in a league that, uh, or not, no, not in a league. Jeez, that's a habit. We're, I'd say, in an annual tradition of uh, where we forecast for the sake of bragging rights. Granted, uh, I will say I'll brag that I, I won twice. Um, <laughs> that uh, we. It's the second you know, week just, in a row that you've managed to work that in, and I guess yeah, this sure, one's all not? my fault. Why? <laughs> but you know, we, we just pick you know the entire the entire postseason. Nothing. Uh, the only nothing special is on the line outside of again bragging rights, which you know I'll, I'll spare you. Um, but I did have the Chiefs over the Eagles, and I was fairly confident in that pick until last night. And I'm starting to have doubts. I would love to be wrong, and I think my pre postseason if you could say that word, (laughs) prediction is going to be wrong. But we'll talk about that more next week. We'll talk about it next week. We do have to talk about another team in town. We've been giving everyone the short shrift for good reason, but the Sixers are are on fire. Granted, I say that they've just lost to the Magic uh, at home, I believe. Yes. (laughs) Um, While we're recording. Uh, Joel Embiid with just otherworldly numbers of late – he just demolished Nikola Jokic on Saturday. A 15-point deficit in the third quarter turned around into a Sixers win. Embiid, like 47 points, 18 rebounds, something like that. He kind of owns Jokic when they go head-to-head. I think it just means more to him than it does to Jokic. But heading into the All-Star break, they're, you know, again, tonight notwithstanding, they're one of the hottest teams in the league. And if, if you look at their schedule – between now and the All-Star break, another game with Orlando, which I expect that they will probably blow the doors off the Magic in retaliation. But then they go to San Antonio 
at the Knicks at Boston in, in a game that really could have a pretty big impact on could it will have a pretty big impact on who sits atop the Eastern conference at the all-star break. The Sixers have worked their way into second place in, in the East. And they've also got games at home against the Knicks at Brooklyn at home against Houston at home against Cleveland before they head into the all-star break. And Joel Embiid will be the all-star game. I would guess James Harden will find himself as a reserve one way or another, either through player slash coach election or injury replacement. So they'll send those guys to the all-star game. I'm not going to predict that they'll be in first place atop the conference right now. While we speak, they are, I think three games, three games behind Boston. They've actually slipped behind Milwaukee by a half game. They're eight and two in their last 10. Are we seeing the Sixers team that we expected to see that, that, you know what? Let me rephrase that question for you. Is this the Sixers team we need to see before the playoffs? I don't know if it matters, but I, I think we are down to with this team. Like it just has to happen in the, in the playoffs, but I think this is the team. They're finally healthy and playing together. It, it takes a little time for everyone to develop that chemistry. They had a rough start to the season. Like James Harden really didn't have a chance last year to develop any chemistry. Now, granted, it looks great from the start and that it just didn't look good at the playoffs. But Embiid was hurt. Harden was hurt. Maxi was hurt. Harris has been the only one who's been, knock on wood, you know, consistently available through all, all the season of, of their of their big names. Watching them play together, it is clear like the, the identity of this team is completely switched from, I would say, good offensively to dominant defensively to great offensively to competitive? Question mark defensively, it's, it's not the same. Um, but it did have me think, I kind of want to see, Ben Simmons aside, a matchup with Brooklyn in the playoffs because those games would have to average 150 points on both teams <laughs> because th- there will be very little defense played uh, outside of Embiid. Um, and I, I just see this team's like, they're... They're gelling so well on offense. I'm having such a renewed appreciation for James Harden. I knew he was a great player. I have eyes. But it's the kind of thing that like you, you watch him play for your team. You watch him play night after night. And all of a sudden, you start to see the little things. Uh, like how good he is, which is like no-look passes, facilitating offensive efficiency. And, and he's Just, focused on that part of his game more. Right. With the Sixers that he ever has before. He's not as bad defensively as his reputation is. He's not great defensively. But, <laughs> uh, like, he did show up at the playoffs last year. He's, you know, he's around the ball. But just, like, in – he might not be the best, like, one-on-one guarding guy. But he does participate in sort of the team offensive concept as an NBA superstar who, uh, you know, focuses more on the offensive side of the game. That's the loosest I could say of like, I'm not really worried about his defense right now. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. To, to answer your question, like, I, I don't think it really matters. Um, but it it is it does make me feel better that they're not, like I mentioned before, waiting to flip the switch because they've flipped the switch. They're not just they're not just waiting. But I think at this point, I'm just all in on, on the playoffs. This is kind of what we talked about with James Harden when when they made the trade. It was, you know, he's not the James Harden of old. And I think everybody realizes that. Does James Harden realize that? Will he buy into altering his game and how he plays to be a productive member of a championship caliber team? And the answer is yes. And... 
who knows if it's because he wants to win or if because of the contract that he signed and he knows that he needs to do it to try to cash in one more time. I'm not going to question or, or, or speculate on his true motives. All I know is that they are at just about the 50 game mark. So it, it's, it's downhill. Now you're on the back end of the regular season and it feels like it snuck up on us because of the Phillies, because of the Eagles, we talked about this before they were kind of skating by and I agree. They, they've flipped the switch to some extent and you know, yeah, the playoffs are all that matters, but whoever gets hottest in the playoffs, you know what? I feel like whoever's hot in the playoffs doesn't just get hot in the playoffs, right? You got to turn the kettle on before the playoffs start. If you want to start boiling when, when the games matter to use a strange analogy. And Oh boy. It seems like, it seems like the, the, the teapot is whistling. Right. And it's, it's, it's gotta be in a sustainable way. Right. Like this can't just be like, all right, we're going to win 15 out of 20 now and then go back on the skids. Right. I I think that, you know, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Are they just kind of cruising along? And and we kind of felt like, yeah. And I said, I don't know that I like that. There's just something about it. I don't know if they can flip the switch. And you said they probably can. And I don't care. Right. <laughs> like you, like you said, you, you just want to see them perform in the playoffs. Um, it, it's happening, I guess, at the right time, because when the Eagles finish up with a Super Bowl and the all-star break is over, they're going to be one of the top few teams in the East and one of the top few teams overall in the league. They went up against Denver who has the best record in the West by a couple games and they had a big comeback victory. And those are the kind of games that, that you, you benchmark a team on. And if they're winning those games in March, like they are right now in January, there's going to be a lot of say belief in the team that, hasn't gotten over the hump that they that they finally will and whether that is earned or not we'll find out right if they've earned that benefit of the doubt i think they're on their way to getting it and frankly i'm i'm glad that they're playing better now than rather than just waiting until early march to get into gear it's it Basketball is one of those sports that it, it really, I, I use the word relationship. I don't mean relationship. I mean relationship on the floor. <laughs> the relationship between your players matters more than maybe any other sport, right? Chemistry, yeah. Right. Your chemistry between the guys on the floor, even more important, I think, than in football. In football, you know, you've got this rehearsed routine of the snap and who's doing what. But I feel like in basketball, there has to be like the relationship that a, a quarterback and a receiver have with one another. Everybody has to have with everybody on a basketball field, basketball field. <laughs> what is wrong with me on the basketball court? Everyone's got to have that relationship and that innate knowledge of where everyone's going to be. And, and and they're they're finding that now. And all that matters is the playoffs. But. You can't go into it cold. There's a reason the trade deadline happens in early February, right? It's because you're not making changes to your roster into April. I'm happy with with the fact they're doing it now. You seem like you don't care, but if they were I mean, losing, I'm happy I that they're playing well. <laughs> but I've seen it before, yeah. and that's fair. That's fair, man. That that's how <laughs> relaxed we are about the Eagles is that we're already. Arguing about the Sixers. <laughs> well, I mean, look, they've clinched a spot in the next game. We've got a lot of time to fill. And if we sit here and we think about the Super Bowl, we're, we're, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. So <laughs> in an effort to try to enjoy it if they win, um, and honestly, to regain the ability to feel if they lose, because uh, I feel like if they lose, I want to feel it. I want to be hurt by it. Because if not, I think we then, should end this episode because this is this is getting. <laughs> if we're sad. not hurt by losing a championship, remember how you felt in November when when the Phillies lost the World Series. All right, you know um, you can find <laughs> I will us say, on a funny Twitter. Story, a funny story, on though, Instagram. No, a funny I, we, anecdote. No, I just want to say, 
Subscribe. We, we, we talked about the possibility of the Phillies making the World Series and the, 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 six, uh, the Eagles making the Super Bowl and the Sixers playing well enough to make the finals. I totally forgot. Like, I legitimately forgot that the Union played in the MLS Cup final. Oh, okay. Two this months is, ago. This is more your I, misery than my misery. <laughs> I, okay. I legitimately, like, I've read that, like, a traumatic experience, you can, like, block it out. And, like, as, like, a self-preservation mechanism, your body and your brain just, like, just completely erase that memory and pretend it never happened. And I, I don't want to say that a sporting event that happened on the other side of the country compares to, like, an actual traumatic event. But I my brain completely erased that memory until someone mentioned, yeah, and then the union, I'm like, oh, my God. While you were wearing right. a union sweatshirt. I, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> of all the people to forget about that, it was me, right? So <laughs> it really kind of just drove home that point that, that I think that we were trying to make earlier of how just we're not equipped to deal with being good <laughs> on the level that that team is good. And it, it also drives home the, the what we said at the start. It's it's a great time to be a Philadelphia fan. You can't lose a championship unless you get there. And we're 0 for 2 this season. <laughs> Maybe the Eagles and Sixers can uh, level the, the playing field. And with that, I will spare you anything else. And I will say you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Philly Frenetics. Our website, phillyfrenetics.com. Last week, John, in our quick picks, you promised uh, an answer to whether or not the Eagles would win the Super Bowl next week. I changed uh, my mind. We're, we're actually going to do it what is now next week, uh, you know, before they play the actual game. Uh, you, you got a little ahead of yourself. We'll, we'll, we'll pick the, the game. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll go into a little more detail into what we think i have a feeling it's going to be uh very similar picks again but let's not give it away next week we will talk about the super bowl eagles chiefs andy reed facing his old team the kelsey brothers facing off with one another patrick mahomes an injured patrick mahomes taking on an eagles defensive line that will be chomping at the bit to chase him down it's got all the makings of a classic. Here's hoping that however it goes, that we come out on the right side. But we'll talk more about it next week. I'll see you then, John. See you next time. <laughs>